Hello there, this is Coden. And this is Cassia. And welcome to the Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, as well as everything Star Wars. Today, we are joined by Nick, or Ironic.Designs, and we'll answer listener questions and discuss KOTOR 2. Uh, characters, lightsaber forms, so this is going to be a spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series, and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is episode 27. This is where the fun begins. So, to get started, uh, Nick, why don't you talk to us a little bit about yourself and your content? Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me on board the Ebon Hawk. Um, I'm Nick from ironic.designs on Instagram. There, I post Star Wars-themed designs that I create. I'm a full-time graphic designer. I love Star Wars, and I'm just excited to be here and talk some Star Wars. Thank you for coming on. It's always great to have a, a fun guest. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's go ahead and dive in with our listener questions um, before we move on to our further topics here. So the first one comes from the.order.of.jedi and they ask, what happened to the Ebon Hawk after it flew away from the last time in KOTOR 2? For this one, the exile kind of searches for a bit, but then she ends up going to Bastilishan to get uh, Revan's mask. And then she's able to find Revan in prison and she's able to help him and then be unceremoniously killed off. And then the rest of the Revan novel kind of commences. So it's just mainly um, used to go off to find this mask and then it just ends up being retired at that point? The Ebon Hawk, the exile flies it. She searches for a bit, but then she realizes she needs to go to Bastila to get that mask and get some more information. Um, and then once she's able to do that, she's able to find Revan on, I believe, Jromund Kaz. And he's in prison. The Emperor is imprisoning him. Then she's kind of killed off. And then I think the Ebon Hawk is just still on that planet. That's what I was able to find. Maybe it's in a junkyard somewhere, but I would kind of hate it just to be like a forgotten ship on that planet. That's interesting because I know like they tie Revan into the Star Wars The Old Republic MMO game. I would think that they would have the Ebonhawk feature, like, at least as, like, a point of interest or, like, a sight to see when you're looking for Revan or you're doing some type of quest. I'm surprised that they would kind of just leave that, like, just hanging out there. I mean, it may, maybe it is, but I, I wasn't able to find much. But I need to deep dive more into the Old Republic. I've been working on just kind of deep diving into Knights of the Old Republic 1 and Knights of the Old Republic 2 and then kind of using that connection to kind of learn more about the Old Republic. Right. It'd be cool yeah. if it were an area in the Old Republic, but who knows. There's <laughs> like so far through my playthrough, they haven't, like I, I haven't gotten to the point where the story really picks up in SOTOR. And so I'm still kind of on the outer edge of still kind of the tutorials and learning that you can get to other planets and do a lot of the story on these other places. So, so far it's quite independent from the previous games. Right. Which I think is what they wanted to go for anyway. 
All right. So our next question from Grey Jedi 101. Do you think it would have been better if Revan in the novel brought his crew back along with maybe a few new members to find Mandalore's mask in the unknown regions? And I think for me, as this is a different like media format to tell more of the story of KOTOR, I do like to have some baseline of familiarity and naturally Revan's part of it, but with a little bit more I think it would have been welcome. And then maybe have characters cycle in and out using the book as a transition, I think would have been a good way to handle that. Yeah, I am 100% on board for the crew coming back. Maybe not all of the members, like maybe like missions like, oh, I have to do this mission with Zalabar, you know, but you have fun, keep me in the loop. Like, I want to see it on the Ebonhawk group chat, you know. But I would have been on board for... Karth and Bastila, the main three, going on their mission together. Because in the Revan novel, I believe it was just T3M4, HK47, and Candorous Ordo on the mission with Revan. And I think they're all capable characters and would have been able to help out. And I think it would have been more enjoyable for me to kind of get more characterization of the other companions and... I don't know, like, in some ways it, it just kind of feels like they wanted to write off the KOTOR characters just so they could all, like, I don't know, die off and not be part of, like, the old Republic story and just keep revving around, which <laughs> which just, I didn't really like. To just uh, cut off some loose ends. So what do you think, Nick? Well, to be honest, I kind of had a little bit of a disconnect with the book because you're playing a character who, it's not like, Jed like Jedi Fallen Order where Cal Kestis is his own character. With Revan, it's you making the personal choices. So it's kind of weird, like, reading, like, now he's his own fully fleshed out character that has nothing to do with the choices you made in the game. And also, I guess I had a high expectation of, I wanted it to be a continuation of the full crew. Like, I wanted to see Mission, Zalabar, Jolie, Juhani, like, see where they are. Like, did they still become Jedi? Are they on the council? Like, do they have powers of influence in the Republic? Or did they just go off and continue doing, like, you know, their own separate lives? but still have like that continuation from the previous story into this new one. But yeah, it felt a little off-putting that it was just Candace and T3 are his only companions. And I guess the exile too, but only for a little bit. I think what would have played out is if Revan would have had his team, like either they would have come out victorious or maybe they all would have been imprisoned and died. But for me, that would honestly be a little bit preferable <laughs> just to kind of go out together, like no matter uh, what like happens. <laughs> Rogue One style. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that is a good point because because it's a novel and not like a video game sequel, they had to pick a canon ending to follow up with the story on. And so right. it doesn't like it's going to leave, you know, a half or two thirds of the community dissatisfied because it was it's following choices that they didn't make when they were playing the game. That's one of the strengths that like Mass Effect had from game to game is it asks you what decisions like what game-changing decisions did you make in the previous games and then it like tailored how the game starts up with those facts that you put in place and right. when when you switched from the video games to the novel the novel just has to pick one of those outcomes and run with it yeah i mean that's what happens at the start of knights of the old republic 2 is you meet atten and he's like oh yeah Revan was a woman, and then you have the you have the option to be like, uh, he was a man. Right, that um, was correct. And then it's like, yeah, and then he went to the light side, and then you can just say, uh, no, he went full baddie. Like, where have you been? But um, yeah. that's kind of what they do in Knights of the Old Republic too. 
it would have been preferable. Wish, wish that would have happened. Um, yeah, or did they even give a synopsis of, like, what happens to those characters? Because, like, I know in the end of KOTOR 2, Kreia gives you, like, a future synopsis of, like, this is what this character will do. This is how they'll die. This is their life. Like, I don't know if they did that for the main cast in the first game. I think they definitely bring it up for Candorous and, like, your companions, Bastila and Karth. It depends on the choices you've made, like, light or dark or whatnot, but she basically kind of gives you, like, spoilers going up until, like, the prequel and original trilogy, so right. it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, it's like, spoilers, Kreia. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Keats Bradley has a couple questions for us. The first one is, how did HK-47 end up on Tatooine? After using the Mass Shadow Generator uh, in the Battle of Malachor, in the ultimate battle of the Mandalorian Wars, Revan was like, that was a little bit too much. Like, when I kill people from now on, I want to tone it down. So he's like, I'm going to get, like, a super good assassination robot. HK-47 and he, Revan was the one who came up with the meat bag when he's talking about humans because that annoyed Darth Malak. So uh, one of the security procedures is when he would send HK-47 on missions, he would wipe his memory and then when he completed the mission, he would get his memories back and then the process would continue. But one of the times that uh, Revan sent him on a mission, what happened in the meantime was that Bastila was fighting against Revan, and then Malik turned on Revan, and he lost his memories. So when HK-47 completed his mission, he didn't know who he was, and he ended up on Tatooine. And then uh, eventually he regains his memories and was like, Darth, Revan was my master. I've returned to you. So it's kind of poetic in a way. Um, I actually, I think, I was reading up a little bit about that, and he did have a couple of different masters. One of them was weird. It was like, a senator from Coruscant ends up owning him, and the assistant to the senator is like, you know, this thing is like an assassin droid, like, we should get rid of it, like, this is bad PR. And the senator is like, you know what, how about if I have it kill you? I think it does. And then I think the senator tries to send it on his ex-wife. I think this is just like dialogue that HK says throughout the game, like, talking about yeah. his previous masters. But yeah, then this guy is about to try to become the Chancellor, and HK has killed, like, hundreds of people, and I'm like, how would that even work? Like, how could this type of droid stealthily make its way around Coruscant and, like, wipe out other senators? Because, like, he doesn't seem very stealthy. He seems very, like, I don't know. I'm gonna you. kill you. <laughs> it's like so... IG-88 in The Mandalorian, where he walks up and he's yeah, like, surprise, like... you're all under arrest. Right, but, like, that works for that, because, like, it's in a big open area, and, like, he's charging at you, kind of, or, you know, slow build-up. But, like, obviously you see him, but he's a force to be reckoned with. You can't stop it. But, like, if you're in the Senate and this thing is walking around the hallways, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, how are security cameras not picking this up? The owners he had, the first one was a Mandalorian who ends up getting himself killed. Then he makes his way to a hut gangster. And HK kills, like, hundreds of people for him. But when he's out on a mission, someone kills the hut. Then eventually he makes his way to Coruscant, to that guy. And then I think he just ends up in, like, a junk trade, and then he ends up on Tatooine. And I think he loses his memory, like, each time, unless, like, he performs a kill. Like, it was something weird. I didn't quite understand, like, how his memory system works. Yeah. But, uh, eventually so, he ends up with the Ithorian. Yeah, on Tatooine. So, yeah. and when we cover Tatooine more, we're gonna delve into that. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah. That's right, HK didn't have a trusty RT unit with the giant memory backup to download every oh, time yeah. he lost his memory. <laughs> <laughs> yep, not yet. 
All right. So Keats Bradley's next question is, uh, how did Craig get on the Ebon Hawk at the beginning of KOTOR 2? When Knights of the Old Republic 2 came out, I'd assumed that Revan left it on Malachor 5. So, and Kraya took it after Darth Annihilus and Darth Sion betrayed her. Then the Revan novel came out, and I think, like, he left it on Nathema, and then just kind of assuming that T3M4 repaired and started piloting it, and maybe Kreo was sensing the exile and wanting to find Revan, so maybe she just kind of was like, hey, I'm gonna hitch this ride, but <laughs> it's one of the things I like about Knights of the Old Republic, too, is, like, even 15 years later, I'm still putting together parts of the story. A lot of it can go over your head. And when I when I first played it, I was like in middle school. Um, yeah, so, so much went over my head. But that's the best I was able to come up with. But did you have any input, uh, Nick? Well, I looked into it too. But like, I found different sources. Mostly they say like the Harbinger, the Republic ship that finds, you know, the exile, Darth Sion and T3. Um, it just says it found... The Sith ship and the Ebon Hawk, like they were fighting and then they were adrift. But it doesn't really explain how Kraya got onto the Ebon Hawk, but even if she was, it says that she eventually gets on the Harbinger and then she like kidnaps the exile and brings her into the Ebon Hawk and then they try to escape that way. Yeah. But it doesn't say how Kraya Kraya's found in the morgue, like you think she's dead, like she she makes it look like she's dead. Um yeah. I, I think just so like Darth Sion and everyone would leave her alone. But then you find her in the morgue, and it's kind of freaky. <laughs> so it would be interesting to see Knights of the Old Republic 2 as a movie, because I think it might turn into, like, it could definitely be more of a horror movie, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with the Sith. If anyone has a better answer, I'd love to hear it, but we tried. It's like a passing, passing story on between department and department. They just kind of put something together to make it work enough to start the game, I think. Right. I guess, like, at the end of it, like, it's not important how she got there. It's the fact, like, she's there, yeah. she fulfills her purpose, and the game continues. So before we move on to the Knights of the Old Republic 2 character lightsaber forms, I just wanted to take a quick break to thank those who have left us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, A-Rob, Lorg, Chamson, 2019-17, and Crobblerther. Thank you so much for leaving us five-star reviews. It helps us stay visible and helps future listeners find our podcasts. Our next topic is a continuation from our, our last episode over uh, lightsaber forms and uh, where we see them in KOTOR 2. So Cassia, why don't you get us started off on the cast of this game? The cast of Knights of the Old Republic 2 is very big. There's a whole lot of characters on the Jedi and Sith sides, and some who kind of jump around. But we thought it would just be fun to cover these characters and, like, what lightsaber forms we think they would use based on their backgrounds and personality and fighting capabilities. So some of these are confirmed, and then some of these are just some of our guesses, but it's just more fun just to kind of talk characters. Because in episode 25, when we were talking about Knights of the Old Republic characters and what lightsaber forms we thought they would use, it was actually a fun episode and uh, ended up being more of a character-focused episode than I anticipated. So I think it's going to be 
a lot of fun. And before we get started, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Papito Quinn on YouTube. He has excellent Knights of the Old Republic content, especially Knights of the Old Republic 2 content, and his videos on Kreia really helped me understand the character more, and I use them a lot in my research. So thank you, Papito Quinn. Maybe one day we can have you on as a guest. But uh, Nick, are you ready to get started? Oh, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Uh, so let's start off with the Jedi Exile. You can go first, and then I can give some thoughts. Okay, um, so for the Jedi Exile, I consider that myself as a player, so I'm just gonna say what my personal style would be, um, and that would be Form 2, which is Makashi. Um, that's pretty much just a single hand style, basically Count Dooku style, like, that's the best visual representation I can give, but that's what I would choose, um, being the Jedi Exile. Yeah. I mean, if I were in Star Wars, like, I love Mikashi because of its fencing connections and it's just so much more elegant. It's not as strong against blasters, but um, I, think we, I think we need more Mikashi representation. It would be nice to see. So for me, I'd probably say I think the Jedi Exile would use Neiman Form 6. Because they learn all of them, you know, in during the course of Knights of the Old Republic 2. Mm -hmm. um, they have to reconnect with the Force and their lightsaber training. It is confirmed, like, apparently they used a lightsaber. It was like, Sion was the color. And it, their lightsaber, like, wasn't able to be used by anyone else, like, because they bonded with it so much. Like, I thought that was a cool detail. It seems to say, like, the Jedi Exile was very good at Forms 1, 2, and 3, but I think some of that is just, like, game mechanics. Like, they want to give you some forms to learn as, you're, as you go on and get more right. advanced. Um, but honestly, I, I would say the Exile, probably Neiman. And usually, like, I find Neiman boring, but I think they would, they would be, like, I mean, they fought in the Mandalorian Wars, they had to relearn everything, they're not a pushover, like, they would be a warrior with number six, so that's, that's my guess. I think with, with a lot of these combat forms with KOTOR 2 as well as, I think there's just a lot of technical limitations that have been since tackled. And I think that some of the earlier forms, forms one, two, and three are easier to display in the engine of KOTOR, where some of the more complex forms like form five and form seven are you know, just require a lot more like technical finesse, I think, to have it work in the game. And so I think for the game to really focus on some of those earlier ones makes a lot of sense. I think that'd be cool, like, if they come back with either a remake or just, like, any new Star Wars game with lightsaber combat. Like, actually give you the option to choose what forms you want to learn. And, like, you can select that and your character can actually perform, like, those styles. I think that'd be pretty cool. They let you cycle through them in Knights of the Old Republic 2. Because it's like, oh, if you want, like, more lightsaber damage, um, but are willing to, like, not be as good when it comes to like deflecting blasters you can do too or if you want more of a defensive form do sorsu um 
so they they go into like the the differences of these of these forms and kind of the the best thing you can do in knights of the old republic too is kind of just cycle through them so maybe maybe that's kind of like why i i think that the exile would use six is because six kind of balances all of the all of the forms together so right yeah the next is Kreia, and i keep on forgetting she's like one-handed like did that impact like what you thought she would use i thought about that first because i'm like so then instantly she would be a makashi user um but i was kind of thinking like before that incident like how was she as like a jedi in her prime or like even just before that moment um so i know like she's a jedi historian so i figure she would be more of neiman too like a little bit more balanced like she would focus on the battle but i think she would look for other solutions because like throughout the game she's always encouraging you to like think about your actions like don't just react don't just kill like think about what you want to do or find a different solution so i kind of think like neiman would best suit her yeah what i think is that she knows all of the lightsaber forms intimately because she was a jedi master and a sith lord so she knows like the light and the dark so palpatine um nick gillard when he was explaining uh, Palpatine's fighting style, is like, he is using all of the lightsaber forms. Like, he can do them all, and he can do them probably better than most people. Um, so it's not like just like six, but like she just knows all of them, you know? Later on in the game, because earlier in the game, she, she just has her green lightsaber, and then at the end on Malachor, she wields a single red lightsaber, and then three purple lightsabers, she controls those telepathically. So my cop-out is she's her own form, you know? Like, <laughs> she's kind of just one of a kind. Like, yeah, the Force wasn't messing around when it when it came to Kreia, and so I think she's just kind of beyond Jedi, Sith, light, dark, yeah. like, just kind of doing something her own. So That's it'd funny. be... I, I deleted that from my notes, saying, like, she has her own style. Like, she's above the seven forms so for treya i kind of expected her to as you said like she has her own style and form like she's levitating three lightsabers at once like that's crazy but i think overall like you said like at that point she's definitely she definitely knows everything but i kind of put her more towards like juyo form seven uh which kind of leans more on like using the dark side if a jedi is like being heavily influenced by the force in their like combat i think of one of two lightsaber forms are like very influenced by like a lot of force influence that's a uh, form form and form seven a form four just being a very aggressive form relying on the force to like supply that energy and then form seven is like relying on your emotions as well as the force and so i'm thinking with with Kreia, she kind of fills that yoda like role uh when when I kind of played around with the game and like to me it makes sense that because she is one-handed that she does rely on the force to like help her with that edge versus just her strength alone yeah right like she's you know she's elderly she's one-handed I wasn't sure I think she might be blind too oh yeah she she's blind like if you look at her eyes there's like nothing there if she pulls her hood up because usually her hood's over the top yeah Yeah. she she definitely has, like, a handicap parking pass when she has to go to the Jedi Temple. 
Yeah, it's like if the Evan Hawk needs better parking, it's like, well, Brad <laughs> looks like you're driving today. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't trust her to drive. <laughs> She's got one hand and no eyes. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where the force comes in. So yeah. <laughs> She's such an interesting character, and, and uh, when we get to her episode, I'm going to try to put it all on the table, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so At and Rand, I, this one was hard for me. What, what did you think? So I'm going to be biased. I don't like Atenran. <laughs> From the first time you meet him, um, especially if you choose to be a female exile, like he deliberately like looks at your chest, talks about your chest, and I'm just like, who do you think you are, man? Like, first of all, I'm a Jedi Knight. Like, show me some respect. Yeah. But um, I know he has some combat training uh, in his history, but because of his immaturity, if I was his master, I would keep him on Form 1 for a while and like... Let him focus the basics and, like, learn discipline. But for his personality, I could kind of see him uh, leaning towards Form 5, which is more for, like, deflecting blasters or being in, like, a group battle situation. Because I could just see him, like, antagonizing a crowd of people, and they would just, like, pull their guns out on him. So he would need to, like, defend himself yeah. if he's going to be, you know, an ass. There's no other way yeah. to, to describe him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we kind of talked about his backstory in episode 18. So he kind of has like a dark, a dark history, but he also has a lot of combat training with the Achani and then hiding himself in the force. Eventually he becomes a Jedi Sentinel. I do remember seeing a fan art of him dual wielding two yellow lightsabers with reverse grips back in the day. So that kind of became my headcanon because I kind of thought it fit his personality. Yeah, like um, rebellious style. But but yeah, his his character's kind of all over the place because if you like get to know him, he's kind of just like, oh yeah, like I fought with Revan and it was awesome, and I kind of did some really horrible things. And there was this one girl yeah. that like I tortured and like I fell in love with her and I killed her. And then like you're kind of like, wait, what? Like what? Yeah, like that's that's kind of weird. I think they were trying to go for like a Jolie a Jolie storyline because you know like he has a love story too but his makes more sense because Jolie falls in love first and his I think it's his Padawan he falls in love with and she turns to the dark side and he has to kill her because of the situation they're put in so it's more yeah. like sympathetic like you can understand like okay self-defense like you didn't want to but from Atten yeah. I kind of got the vibe that he wanted to do it like just for the like the pleasure of it so it's kind of weird yeah so I'm kind of like that's one of the reasons, like, why I, I kind of try to not have my exile in a relationship with Atten. Um, yeah, that's, that's toxic. <laughs> everyone, everyone can, like, have their own, like, choices, but I think they were trying to make him, like, a swashbuckling kind of Han Solo, but I think he was just a little bit of an aggressive flirt. Um, yeah, like, he's but, going on strong, like, too like strong. Like Anakin? Eh, not quite like an Anakin, but just kind of, like... It's like, cool your jets at, and you know. Um, yeah, but I see Anakin is being more awkward. Like he yeah. doesn't know how to flirt. But Atten, I think he knows what he's doing. Like he, like he's being a pig, for the yeah. sake of being a pig. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Um. I so I think his that. personality would either I kind of see him as a form one person, just like that's what I see his personality as, or because he he has experience with hiding himself in the forest, like kind of being defensive, trying to hide himself, maybe form three, but his backstory kind of makes me think it would be 
form five or form seven. Um, mm. He's just very hard for me to place. So it would depend on like if they were ever adapting this into a movie to see like what they wanted to focus on in his story. Like for me to see like what the thorough line is, but that one was hard. <laughs> yeah. Vice is smart is the next one. What did you think? So she's definitely a very passive character. You know, she's obviously a servant to Neela's. Like, she's not even an apprentice. Like, she's pretty much a slave. And when you first meet her, like, sometimes, like, I think when you first meet her, you don't even try, and you end up winning, like, really quickly. Like, you just, like, one swipe, and she's down for the count. Like, she passes out. <laughs> so I, if I was her master, I would keep her on Form 1 as well, just so, like, she can learn the basics better. But I know because um, she's a Miraluka, so she has, like, that foresight ability. Um, I think she would eventually get to form six, Neiman. Um, I can see her, like, when she's, like, locked in a lightsaber battle, she can use that farsight ability to, like, see into the future maybe for, like, a couple of seconds and, like, anticipate what her opponent might do. Like, and that's her edge. Like, that's her sweet spot. Like, she's definitely not a powerhouse. Like, so she's got to rely on, like, <laughs> whatever she's got. Yeah, like you said, she, like, she's a Miraluka. So that species... They see through the force. She is kind of a passive, like, self-sacrificial character. I think she's one of the most interesting in Knights of the Old Republic 2, like, companions. She was kind of forced to become Darth Nihilus's apprentice, so it's kind of more like, not like she chose to, but it's kind of like she had to or she would die. So, uh, yeah, like you said, like, when she fights the exile, the exile grants her mercy, and she's like, okay, I'm gonna serve <laughs> you serve forever, you, <laughs> you know? Um, so she switches the red lightsaber to, like, yellow, and she's a Jedi Sentinel. And I, I was kind of surprised, because I thought she would be a Jedi Consular. Um, yeah, I think that too. So my conclusion, like, for her lightsaber form is, like, maybe Nihilus, like, I think, like, the Form 1 of Dark Side is actually Form 7, so maybe, like, she fought with that, but her heart wasn't in it because she's really not a dark-sided person. Um, right, so it's, like, working against her. But since she sees with the Force, I think she would fight with the Force, too. So when uh, she's with the Exile and is kind of retrained, I see her fighting with Form 4. So that's what I see. Okay, cool. Okay, and then Beodur. I also call him would have been a better love interest uh, in yeah. Knights of the Old Republic too. But what did you think? Oh, I definitely agree for he's a more preferable romance option. Uh, he's definitely more easy to talk to and easygoing. Silky um, voice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I was never sure how to pronounce his name. I call him Bahador. What did you call him? I called him Beodur. Okay. <laughs> Bahador, Beodur. Beowulf. <laughs> Yeah, Beowulf um, would be awesome. I love that book. <laughs> yeah. So I think for the most part, because he's very mild-mannered um, and calm, um, unless, like, you bring up Mandalorians, which, like, he's low-key racist about. And also, like, he'll scold you if you do anything, you know, dark side ish But I think he's best suited for Form 3, Sorosu. Um, I could see him, like, outlasting his opponents by being defensive. And, like, while he's, like, drawing them out, I could see him even, like, trying to talk them down. Like, I don't see him, like brutally killing someone like i kind of get like an obi-wan vibe from him yeah maybe because he's a zabrak and people are like oh darth maul was a zabrak i think he would be form five or seven but it's like yeah it's like you have to pay attention to the story and the characters like because 
his personality, um, even when you're dark-sided, like, I don't think you can really convince him to do any dark-sided stuff. Like, the only thing he really does is get tattoos, you know, like, on his yeah. face. So. <laughs> so that's more but, angst. That's not really evil. Yeah. So he did serve with the Exile during the Mandalorian Wars. He did create the Mass Shadow Generator. And then during uh, the Mandalorian Wars, he lost his left hand. And he has a cool mechanical arm. It's really one of a kind. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't ripped off uh, in the sequel trilogy. Um, it just kind of mm -hmm. like, it's like, it's kind of like a little force field. It's blue, mechanical hand. One thing I was, I was thinking is like, when he starts off, like he's a tech specialist. That's a unique class. Like, I think he's the only one in Knights of the Old Republic, in the Knights of the Old Republic series that has that class. It wasn't in Knights of the Old Republic 1. But then you can train him to be a Jedi Guardian. So I was kind of thinking, like, I'd see him with a blue lightsaber, maybe double-bladed, but I could just see him with, like, uh, like, a normal lightsaber, too. Definitely his personality, like, naturally just kind of loves the light side, hates the dark side, so I don't see him being aggressive, like, Form 5 or 7. Um, I kind of saw him as Form 1 or 6. Um, and... Part of me just wants to see, like, in a live-action adaptation, is, like, maybe he could, like, grab a lightsaber, like, in his, like, elbow, like, his, like, oh, force field, like, and catch the lightsaber and do something with that, because I'm always trying to think of, like, oh, what yeah, would visually be cool, what could, like, this character do that, like, no one else could do. So, like, just kind of see him, like, I don't know, maybe block blasters with it, or... Yeah. And, like, utilize, no, like... like it's like my arm is a lightsaber, so I only need <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> no, that's really so. cool. I like that idea. Um, going back to like what you said about the sequel trilogy, like it's kind of funny. Like they didn't really pull too much from like Legends, and like uh, even his arm, like visually, that's a cool one of a kind example. Um, but going back to the sequels, I noticed in the sequels, I don't think any character gets their hand chopped off. I don't think there's any like. I think the closest thing is Finn gets slashed in the back. Yeah. I thought that was weird because, like, that's kind of like a, a trope in Star Wars movies. Like, at least yeah. one character, usually the main character, gets one hand dismembered. Yeah. Maybe because that's Disney? I don't know. Obviously. Yeah, I think just with, with, like, the dismemberment, like, I know with Fallen Order, they, like, that was kind of one of those things that they, want to step, they wanted to step away from because they, I don't know, they just wanted to make it more friendly towards all audiences or something. And so yeah. I think they did avoid that in the sequel trilogy under that same idea that it wasn't really necessary not knowing that like the whole star wars community totally accepts hands being cut off in like all the movies i get that but then it's weird because like in the sequel trilogies what they definitely do is they have a lot of kamikaze people and yeah predominantly women that are performing these so i thought that was like a weird choice like you're not okay with someone losing their hand and surviving but you're okay with women committing suicide yeah or a rebel organization yeah i like i i kind of wonder if they just didn't want ray to lose a hand because then they'd be like but yeah but then ray wouldn't like, like she would have a, a mechanical hand and like would her toy sell as much but who knows i think it would sell, I think it would sell more if she had a mechanical hand because then you can accessorize it if you want yeah um you can swatch actually, out like a rose gold um yeah. mechanical hand or a gold um, one or silver yeah, like an iphone back to Tying it back to, like, Bahador, like, with his mechanical arm, like, you said, that's cool, like, he has, like, an energy beam as, like, his arm, 
to like catch or deflect actual lightsabers or I guess blasters. Um, but I thought it'd be cool if like his actual metal hand was made of like katorsis, um, which is an element in Star Wars that can actually like deflect or disable lightsabers. So I thought that'd be pretty cool if like he could just grab an enemy's lightsaber and either like disable it or just like rip it out of their hand as if it was like a regular broadsword. Yeah, that that would be really cool. I want that to happen now. Looking at Mira, what do you think she would she would use? I thought she was kind of tricky because like she's a bounty hunter when you meet her, but she kind of seems reluctant to be a bounty hunter. Um, even Kraya says like she's very like she analyzes life like she isn't just like a straight up killer. So I was gonna say maybe Ataru because of her bounty hunter background. Like I would imagine her constantly pursuing uh, her prey. So she would need to be nimble, acrobatic. So I could see her using the force later on to like bring that into her style, like just enhancing her natural abilities. Or maybe even Julio, because I'm pretty sure she's a weapons expert too. So I could see her wanting to like be at like the top of her peak when it comes to like lightsaber combat. Like you do mention, like she was a bounty hunter from Narshada, and like she has a tragic backstory. Like I'd kind of forgotten how tragic it was. Because, like, during the Mandalorian Wars, her she lived on the Outer Rim, so her her world was raided, and she was kind of taken in as a slave or kind of a foundling. So she was raised to fight, hunt, and survive. And then uh, at the end of the Mandalorian Wars, she loses her adopted family. Um, and then she was a refugee on Narshada. And she's like, well, I can fight, so I might as well be a bounty hunter. She believes she doesn't have to kill her targets. And she wanted to put the galaxy back together and find a new family. And I'm just, like, reading this. And I'm like, oh, she just wants a family. Like, I want to help her, you know? So eventually, in the light-sided, like, light side is always canonical in the in the games. The She joins the Exiles team and she becomes a Jedi Sentinel. And because she's not a predator, I kind of think she would be Form 3. Kind of about more like outlasting her opponents, or maybe because of her like Mandalorian background, maybe five. But I I do like what you say about her like using form four or form seven. Like I could see like any of those working out and uh, being happy with with those. I was just gonna say, just with like a bounty hunter background, you tend to like organized ways to take on your target like one-on-one and so i think that form two would make a lot of sense in that scenario because you're you're going to be engaging your target preferably in that one versus one zone and that's like the best way to do that is especially if you're doing like lightsaber versus lightsaber is form two because one of the reasons i was thinking form three is because it can defend against lightsabers and blasters because i think she would want that edge you know like because of her bounty hunter background, like, to be able to defend from everything. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Her character isn't, like, all over the place like Atten, but it's just, like, you can, like, you can see different branches of, like, where her personality could lead to. So it would be interesting. So with Michael, like, I think if the exile is kind of like Padme, he's her Anakin in a way, like, just kind of like age-wise and kind of like he put her on a pedestal, but that's kind of like beyond the point. So what lightsaber form do you think he would use? Uh, so this is funny. I've played KOTOR 2 quite a few times, and even when I would try to get him 
I couldn't. I would always get um, the Handmaiden because those characters are interchangeable. Like you can only have one or the other. Um, but I always ended up with with Brianna. But from what I could research on him, he's kind of like a fanboy of the Jedi. Um, he's definitely a historian, so I kind of see him as just being basic with like form six like being more diplomatic um doesn't really want to fight unless he has to and even then he's going to look for a peaceful solution or maybe he'll take that time to like think back on history and like what did another jedi do in this situation and also i think form six requires like at least 10 years of like practice before you can actually master it so i could see him like being patient enough and going down that route kind of like i said if if the exile is padme he's kind of her anakin he kind of like loves her from afar and like loved her since he was young you know 2005 graphics were not kind to his face (laughs) yeah i i kind of would love to see like another interpretation of the disciple like michael the disciple character because i think there's a lot more to him and i think they were really trying to push at and rand but i would like to see more of uh, like michael in the future but what i was able to get of his backstory and personality is the exile kind of trained him as an informal padawan before the war he wanted uh her to be his master but because she left and then like all the masters were kind of like you know dying or like and then having to fight revan he was kind of like he kind of aged out so yeah i didn't know that they actually met before you actually meet him in the game yeah, that all happens in the past, but then, um, so he's working for the Republic, and he does like the Jedi, but I think he's kind of able to see their faults, uh, even though he's kind of a fanboy. But eventually, if you're a female, the canonical story is he joins your party, and he'll become a Jedi Consular, and at the end, like, he'll sit on the reestablished Jedi High Council and be a historian. He'll kind right. of replace Atris. And like what I what I kind of think is like he's knowledgeable but kind of naive. And there was a Jedi Consular figure released for the Champions of the Force. I think it was like a tabletop figure. And like they have someone with a green lightsaber with a reverse grip and it looks a lot like him. So I kind of like that they kind of gave him something a little bit different. Like it's like a reverse grip kind of like Ahsoka had. So I, I kind of see him as a well-rounded and good soldier and would emulate the exile because he kind of looked up to her and, like, she trained him. So I think he would be able to use, like, 1, 2, and 3, kind of like the exile, but also 6. So that's what I think. We kind of mentioned Brianna the Handmaiden, but what do you think about her? Um, So I know she's definitely well-practiced in, like, Ichani. Like, she worships that fighting style um and i think her preferred weapon was a staff so with that i would kind of think she would go with form six but more specifically jarkai which is meant if you have like a dual weapon whether it's two blades or like uh, a staff or a double blade lightsaber but i can also see her being more aggressive so maybe juyo or ataru i can see that what I, what I always kind of forget is her character is a half-human, half-Achani hybrid. So her father was the Achani general, Usanis, and her mother was the Jedi Master, RNK, and I'm like 99% sure that RNK was Kreia because RNK was like Revan's, one of, like one of Revan's 
masters, like his first and his last. And if you pay attention, Kreia says, oh, I was like one of like his first and his last teachers. And then when asked to describe RNK, like Kreia's like, well, I don't know. Like she was a great warrior, smart. And like, just write this down in your notes. Like RNK was attractive. Like she was hot. Like, I just want you to know (laughs) that she was hot. Like, not that it matters, but like, she was good looking. Yeah. All the dudes she, loved her, you know. And she goes out of her way saying like, uh, <laughs> "Oh yeah," and your father loved her very much. Like, how do you know that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, so if I was her. I'd be like, uh, "That's a specific detail." How do you know my mom had a good relationship with my dad? Because I didn't know anything. Yeah. So. Like, oh. oh. <laughs> From so a certain yeah. Point of view. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that Kreia is R and K. You know, yeah. um, and I, I kind of wish they would have played that up more. Like that right. Brianna connection in Knights of the Old Republic too, because they kind of they kind of could have done a lot more with uh, the Atris R and K and finding her mother, you know. But what they kind of just yeah. had her do is like, I'm gonna fight in my underwear, and like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that a great too. idea that won't age badly or anything. But um, yeah, so she's kind of Brianna is kind of one of the odd ones out. Um, serving Jedi Master Atris on Telos Four because she's the only one with like a different mother, but she's been fighting all her life, and uh, she ends up uh, becoming a Jedi Guardian. And I see her with a blue double-bladed lightsaber that could maybe become two lightsabers, and she would probably be she'd probably have to learn the Jarkai. Form 6, but I see her dipping into Form 5 or 4 because, like, with an edge to f- to 5 because I just see her being more aggressive. But I she also, like, can leap around and do a lot uh, of damage that way. So I kind of see yeah. it, like, maybe like a Jarkai version of 4 or 5. So that, that's what I kind of saw. So um, before we move on to our the rest of our cast, we'll go ahead and just take a quick break and we'll be back. next is Atris. Uh, what, what did you think about Atris? So, I don't know if you guys swear on your channel, so you might want to bleep this out with like an R2 sound effect, but I think Atris is a bad bitch. I know she's a historian and like a bookkeeper, but I could definitely see her going like full badass with like Neiman or Juyo. Yeah, I've kind of made jokes about Atris, like she's kind of just basic, you know? Like, I see her going to Starbucks and getting, like, the most basic order. Um, <laughs> she's, like, uh, she's like, let me speak to your manager, Jedi Master. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get Karen. that pumpkin spice latte, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually her first name, Karen Atris. Yeah, that was her That was her name, but she redacted it from the uh, records. Maybe the archives <laughs> are incomplete. But, yeah, yeah she's she a... Definitely, she definitely has a, a, a sass about her. Yeah. So, yeah, she's a Jedi historian. Uh, with white hair and white robes, like the kind of like the Joe Casta new robes. But one thing I, I learned 
researching more about Joe Castanew is like her robes are actually yellow and black, not white like Atrus's. So it was an interesting thing to learn about Attack of the Clones. But yeah, she is a Jedi Master and a Jedi Council member. She's super strict. Um, for her, it's light and dark, and there's no room for missteps or gray. And then, spoiler alert, she's going to get super hypocritical. Um, <laughs> so, in the game file, she's a Jedi Consular, um, even though, like, the Champions of the Jedi has, like, a Jedi Guardian figure that resembles her. Because, I mean, she has, like, a blue lightsaber in, like, the art. So it's, like, I kind of just see her more as a Jedi Guardian. But when she's on the light side, I kind of just see her being, like, basic. You know, six, she's basic, you know? Uh, but then when she goes to the dark side, I see her going, like, full Form 7 Juvio. Yeah, um, she's crazy at that point. Yeah, and she has a red lightsaber at the end. Um, and I think, like... It's weird because I've seen, like, one thing say, like, Atris uses Form 6, and then I saw another thing that says Atris uses Form 7. So I'm like, um, okay, so light side 6, dark side 7. Like, that makes yeah. sense in my mind. I always yeah. got a, I don't know if you guys have seen Avatar The Last Airbender, but oh, she yeah. kind of gives me, like, a Kyoshi vibe. Like, she's straight to the point. <laughs> like, she is willing to be, like, she, her answer to your question is, like, just kill them. Yeah. <laughs> murder is the, the answer, Aang. We could have been yeah. done with this. So if so, then would have murdered, you know? <laughs> She's got Anakin on speed dial in case there's a bunch of rowdy kids. You know? Order 66. Oh, one, one fun connection with Knights of the Old Republic and Avatar The Last Airbender, especially with Kyoshi, is Jennifer Hale voices Bastila Shan. And then oh, she's yeah, the one right. who voices Avatar Kyoshi. So it's a pretty yeah. fun connection. So, nothing to do with Kiyoshi, but um, what do you think about uh, Zezkai-El? So, in my notes, I wrote him down as the Hulk Hogan of Jedi. Um, <laughs> just in terms of looks, because he's bald, he has mutton chops. Yeah, but otherwise, I think he is set in the game to be like a weapons expert. So, I kind of put him in for all forms, but specifically maybe Julio or Jarkai, because he uses a double-bladed uh, purple lightsaber. Yeah. So it, he's more interesting than you think, like, when you really look into his backstory. So he's a Jedi High Council member during the Mandalorian Wars. His Padawan fell to the dark side uh, during that time. Then after the Jedi Civil War and with the onset of the first Jedi Purge, he went into exile on Nar Shaddaa. And I think he, he kind of just had a death wish. He just kind of felt guilty. And yeah. he, he was one of the Jedi Masters that had issues with Revan's mind wipe. And he seems more thoughtful and introspective. And he has a cool purple double-bladed lightsaber. So he kind of teaches the exile either forms four, five, six, or seven. But I kind of see him as someone who kind of has balance inside. Like, can maybe see the light and the dark and kind of see things, the whole picture. So yeah. I kind of see him as being able to use five, six, or seven, like out of the four he teaches the most, because I think he'd be able to kind of tap into more aggressive forms, but not like let it define him or taint him. Yeah, I agree. All right. And then everyone's favorite Jedi Master, <laughs> uh, Vrick Lamar. Did you know he's voiced by Ed Asner, who played Santa yes. in Elf? Like, <laughs> Yes, and I... 
I love that for that reason. Like, he's actually my favorite Jedi from the original KOTOR 2, and I was happy to have him in the second game. Just yeah. because, like, he is definitely that cranky old man who would just tell kids to, like, get off his lawn. Like, he yeah. has, like, that demeanor about him. He um, makes Mace Windu look kind and balanced, I yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was gonna say, like, he's he's more of a hard case than Mace Windu ever is. Like, where Mace Windu would say to, like, Ahsoka, like, uh, I'm sorry, citizen, this is Jedi business. <laughs> Rook yeah. would be like, get out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he won't even entertain you with, like, sarcasm. He's like, I hate you. Leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because of his personality, like, I really thought, like, he would be more form five, more aggressive, like, go out of his way to, like, dominate over his opponent and show, like, physically, I am better than you. Like, I could see that in his style and his personality. Yeah, so he has a green lightsaber, um, and he can teach the exile four, five, six, or seven. Um, I take his age into consideration, and he kind of has a weaker light side adjustment if you use foresight, which I think kind of makes sense because he's just kind of not the nicest character. Yeah. Um, so kind of taking his age into account, I think he would be like form five or six because I think he would be kind of that well-rounded Jedi master. But also like if you think of Darth Vader, like Darth Vader's using form five, like because of his age and like his... Um, mechanical limbs so i could definitely see brooke using form five and then uh, there is kavar what did you think of kavar Uh, i liked kavar like i thought he was like more of like the well-mannered jedi but uh he used two lightsabers which actually i found out while doing research one of them is actually a shoto Um, yeah and i don't know if that's the first like uh on-screen reveal of like a shoto lightsaber i guess maybe yoda would be um but I would put him as Jarkai simply because he uses dual blades. So he was a Jedi Master on the Jedi High Council, and Mitra was an informal Padawan, um, not his official Padawan. I guess, like, maybe on the Jedi Facebook they have, like, official or is complicated or what for, like, <laughs> being a Padawan. Padawan but... status? <laughs> I don't know. But it's That's like, funny. you guys gotta make up your mind and not just train everyone. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he wields two blue lightsabers, and like you said, like one is a Shoto blade, so kind of like Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a famed Jedi guardian, but like, I'd want, like, if I had to choose, like, Knights of the Old Republic Masters, I'd be like, how about him? Because, like, he's kind, well-adjusted, has a sense of humor. Even in exile, like, he still is pretty much being a Jedi. Like, he serves <laughs> as an advisor to Queen Talia on Onderon. Yeah, um, so I think that's great. Yeah. Um, and objectively speaking, like, I think he's easy on the eyes, you know? Like, yeah, I, I agree too. Like, it's either him, an old man, or Hulk Hogan. Like, those are your yeah. three choices for a Like, romance. how about Kavar? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he he teaches the exile, like, the Jarkai variants of Ataru, Shien, Nimon, and Juyo. But looking at who he is, like, I think, like, he would either use the Jarkai variant of... Ataru or just like form six like one of those two all right and then are you ready for the lord of pain darth scion <laughs> yep <laughs> all right let's bring it um so for darth scion like he definitely is about pain and power and strength and overwhelming his opponent so i kind of suspect he would be either Juyo or form six like he's all about power 
what I forget is, like, he's been around since, like, the old Sith Wars, and he fought for Exar Kun. He was struck down once. He didn't die because he just focused on his pain, anger, and hatred and used that to rise from the dead. Like, it's like immortality in quotation points. Like, it's the horror version of immortality. Like, the monkey's paw version of immortality. Like, you don't want this kind. And if you look at him, it's dark side is just not worth it. Uh, he's, like, in perpetual agony. He ended up becoming uh, one of the members of the Sith Triumvirate with uh, Darth Treya and Darth Nihilus. Looking at him, I would have, I was kind of just thinking like, oh, Form 5, but kind of thinking more on what drives him. It's like his pain, anger, and hatred. And like yeah. with Jubio, it's fueled by negative emotion. So I'm pretty much like, yeah, Form 7. So. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, and then this one, this one might, like Darth Nihilus, like, I think if they ever had to adapt, like, KOTOR 2 into, like, a visual medium, like, a TV show or movies, I think they would have to nerf him, like. Because <laughs> of his gargling noises he makes? Just, like, to, like, give his viewers something more to connect with, and I think if he's too powerful, like, it might, mm -hmm. like. Be a little bit too much for viewers but what do you think of of this character the lord of hunger you know like i don't have anything really positive or negative to say like i'm not really a fan that he was able to like eat an entire planet through the force like i don't really like that idea like that's definitely like op but in terms of like his lightsaber style uh, i actually had to watch some videos of gameplay because i wasn't quite sure where to place him because i don't really remember him that much because you only interact with him once and like that's it i mean he's um, kind of nothing I... just a mask so yeah i think he, like that's what they refer to him as anyways like he's nothing like he is an abyss but which is kind of like all right so you're not memorable <laughs> yeah um but I, watching a video gameplay i saw he only uses one hand so i would place him as makashi because he's using the other hand to like force drain his opponents so i would say form two yeah visually he he is striking but like he's kind of like because of the mass shadow generator he is kind of like a wound in the force as well. He's kind of like the exile's other half. So he's a fallen Jedi. He ended up becoming a member of the Sith Triumvirate. And he's just kind of like hungry, you know? He just has a yeah. lone red lightsaber and a, and a mask. Um, like he's a literal embodiment of what the Sith are. Like they can never be satisfied. Yeah. Like there's never enough. So I think like maybe someone could like kind of capitalize on that and i think that would be interesting but yeah definitely i think you'd have to be nerfed but i kind of think like i would want to see him use ataru you know just like go crazy like with a dark side version of ataru because like mm -hmm. what he is is just trying to consume the force you know and i just want to see him go all out and just kind of be, like, a dark side version of of Yoda. Like, which is, like, not where I was expecting my train of thought to go. But when I was thinking mm -hmm. about it, I was like, you can really only go dark side Yoda. Like, go, go that way, you know? Like, because I think, like, with Form 5 or Form 7, you're kind of, you're used to that, you know? 
in the Sith, but, like, just kind of seeing, like, Darth Nihilus with his mask and kind of just doing all these flips and just consuming and, like, I think it would be fun to see. Yeah, visually, like, that would be really cool. Because yeah. otherwise, in the game mechanics, he's just standing still and he's just, like, swatting you with one hand, pretty much. Yeah, so that's that's what I think would be fun. This has been Coden. And this has been Cassia. And you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. And our podcast can be found everywhere the Anchor Podcasts are distributed at the Ebon Hawk. We are always grateful for subscriptions, reviews, and shares. And then, Nick, where can our viewers find you? Yeah, um, well, I want to thank you guys again. This was a lot of fun. But you can find me at ironic.designs on Instagram. Um, that's where I post my Star Wars-themed designs. And I collaborate with some other people in the Star Wars community, too. Also, I'd say keep an eye out on my page because soon I'll be releasing Star Wars t-shirt designs that I'll have for sale pretty soon. Awesome. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone and may the force be with you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And then just for everybody as well, um, if you want to email us your comments and questions, you can do that a couple different ways. You can send us a note on Instagram, either through the Ebonhawk podcast or through my Instagram, just at Code and Bond. But also you can email us at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And then if you want to catch this various uh, streaming from time to time, usually Thursday nights around uh, 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, that's, uh, that's going to be twitch.tv forward slash Code and Bond. I normally tweet when I go live. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman. He can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This has been episode 27 of The Ebon Hawk. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.